This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey everybody, welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thanks so much for being here today. Today my guest is Peter Shankman. Peter is a dad, an author, a keynote speaker, a creator, and he's the founder of Faster Than Normal and Help a Reporter. Faster Than Normal is all about unlocking the gifts of the ADHD brain. Peter says ADHD is a gift, not a disability, and you can join the movement. Uh, He is an adrenaline junkie. I've titled him that, not him. Uh, But he has skydived several dozen times. It might be into the hundreds. He's an Ironman triathlete. He's completed an Ironman in dozens of marathons. And he has a new kids book out called The Boy with the Faster Brain by Peter Shankman. So in this episode, we talk a lot about ADHD and what it really means. Um, It's definitely a trending topic and diagnosis, I feel like these days. So I had a lot of questions. I've been researching it a lot myself because whenever I hear about it, I'm like, do I have ADHD? What is ADHD? Um, I'm assuming there's a spectrum. Like, where do I actually land on it? Do I need medicine? Do I not need medicine? And I, I keep hearing like so many women in their 30s and 40s are getting diagnosed and medicated. And and so I just want to learn more and learn about how I can be mo- my most effective self and thrive even when I feel scattered and distracted. And like, you know, we have diagnoses for everything, it seems. And so, yeah, I'm just on a journey to learn more like a lot of people are right now. So um, Peter's really helpful. He's definitely an expert on this topic and travels all around the world talking about it. So I hope that you learn a little bit from Peter just like I did. And if you have a kid that has an ADHD diagnosis, you might or, or you think they might be somewhere on that spectrum. I don't know what all the proper terms are, honestly. Um, I am not a doctor or a psychiatrist or psychologist or therapist, Um, but his book, The Boy with the Faster Brain is really good and I recommend checking it out. All right, friends, and if you're looking for the best sleep of your entire life, check out Lagoon Pillows, lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay. Use the code Lindsay for 15% off your first purchase. I'm serious. Getting sleep is the most important thing we can do for ourselves. And this pillow that they have matched me with, because you take a two-minute sleep quiz, this pillow they have matched me with is my dream pillow. And you don't want to miss out. Go to lagoonsleep.com slash Lindsay and use the code Lindsay for 15% off your first order. All right. Enjoy my conversation with Peter. All right, everybody. Today on the podcast, we have Peter Shankman joining us. Welcome to the show, Peter. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. I have had so much fun getting to know your work and personality and all that you're doing on your Instagram. Um, Your new book, The Boy with the Faster Brain, looks amazing. So welcome. I'm so happy to have you. Thanks. It's nice to be here. Um, Okay, Peter, tell us what you do for a living. Good question. So I had, um, let's see, I was originally had one job in my life. I worked for America Online back in the 90s. Um, I did that for several years and then uh, left in the mid to late 90s, moved back to New York, decided I wanted to consult, figured I could start a PR firm. It was the start of the dot-com boom, all that good stuff. 
um, wound up starting a PR firm. It's called The Geek Factory. We became uh, one of the top PR firms for the dot-com in the dot-com day. You know, we repped uh, Napster and Juno and all those fun uh, uh, dot-com companies. Saw the writing on the wall, um, sold the clients and the staff, bailed um, on that. The goal was to take a year off, go to Asia. This is about 2001. Like, I'm going to Asia. I'm going to take a year off. I'm going to see what's out there. Lasted about three weeks. Uh, called my parents from the, it was like 20, 28, 29, called my parents from the uh, Narita airport. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm flying back to New York. And they said, they said, why? You're supposed to go in a year. I said, you never taught me how to relax. And I slammed down the phone. Um, ah. Came back home, started consulting. Um, consulted for several years, doing PR, doing, doing marketing, things like that. Eventually wound up um, talking to everyone. I, I, I was speaking. I was consulting. I was on a plane a lot. And when you're on a plane a lot, you talk to everyone. And, uh, and unless you're, you know, I didn't know I had ADHD at the time, but it, it kind of makes perfect sense. Unless, unless you fake your death, if you're sitting next to me on a plane, I'm going to know everything about you by the time we land because you're gonna, I'm going to let you talk and we're going to have this conversation. And so what wound up happening was I just started talking to everyone. And reporters would see this and they'd call me and they'd say, hey, you know everyone. You have a huge Rolodex. I'm doing a story on whatever. Who do you know? And it wound up blowing up and, and becoming this thing called Help a Reporter Out or Harrow. And Harrow um, allowed me to, to sort of uh, use that skill and this giant Rolodex to connect journalists with sources all around the world. I started that in 07. In 2010, it was acquired by Pure Newswire. And it was sort of a game changer for me. Um, so now I am, I've written several books, four on business, two on, on, on ADHD and neurodiversity. Um, I am a talking head on the, on the news network. So I'm on CNN a lot. Uh, I'm a corp keynote speaker all around the world. Uh, I consult to clients ranging from Huawei to Morgan Stanley to Adobe. Um, and most recently, a couple of weeks ago, I launched a new company, uh, that's just starting that is going to, that is going to allow, teach companies how to, uh, attract hire and retain neurodiverse employees as well as create neurodiverse environments for them to thrive. Wow. So, and I'm, I should mention probably most importantly, uh, I am a single dad to a daughter, a wonderful daughter a, and a stupid dog. Shut up. A wonderful <laughs> daughter uh, named Jessa who's 10 years old in the fifth grade. And she and I are, are sort of figuring it all out together. Come here, you stop talking. Be quiet. Living so yeah, and then, and there's, then there's Waffle over there, and Waffle is uh, Waffle's the, the wonder dog that, I, the, the rescue dog I told my daughter we'd absolutely never get, no way, no how, and, and three days after I said that, we had him. So yeah, that went well. I love the name Waffle for a dog. That's amazing. He's a good boy. He's a that good boy. He's psycho, but he's a good boy, and he barks whenever I'm on a call. I Other know. That, he's good. I, I understand that. I used to have one of those. Um, okay, so you were diagnosed with ADHD in your 30s? I was at late 30s, yeah. Yeah, prior to that, growing up, it was um, sit down, you're disrupting the class disease. I mean, I was a New York City public school kid. No, no one had any idea what ADHD was, nothing like that. And, uh, you know, I survived uh, what I thought was despite myself, but it turns out that my ADHD was actually the reason that all my good things in my life have ever happened. So it's kind of crazy. Okay, I am just so fascinated with the topic right now. And you know, as well as I do, that we're talking about it a lot right now. Like you're seeing it everywhere now. People are being diagnosed as adults. And I'm, mm-hmm. re- I'm reading the book. I'm listening on Audible, the book Scattered Minds. Have you listened to that or yep. read it? I know okay. about it, yeah. Okay. Um, and I'm learning a lot. And I'm one of those people who I'm like, I think this, I'm really affected by this in my life. And I'm curious if you can talk about like 
Because as I'm reading and understanding it, I'm just looking at the players in my life, my husband, myself, my kids. And I'm like, I feel like there's this spectrum, right? And I might be here. My husband is here. He's like one. Right. And I'm, I'm making this all up. Say it's one to ten. And I'm like six and a half or seven. Because I see the things that I'm reading. I'm like, oh, that's me. That's me. That's me. Um, and so I'm curious, like with a diagnosis like this, how is it like? You have it or you don't. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, for me, when I got diagnosed, it wasn't anything that I didn't already know. It was, it was putting a name to it, right? It was, you know, when you have a, when you, when you fall off a ladder and you break your leg and you see the bone sticking out of your leg, you don't need to be told, Hey, you have a broken leg. You're like, I need to get to a hospital and do something about this, right? You know, you have a broken leg. So I always knew once I, the first time I heard of ADHD, probably in the early 2000s, I'm like, Oh yeah, I probably have that. And it made sense. Right. But it wasn't, what I didn't realize at the time was that everything I was doing, um, all the things that people thought I was crazy for and they got me beaten up in high school and all that junior high was using my ADHD to my advantage. And so the more that I kept doing that and the more that um, I kept sort of creating and evolving and, 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 you know, launching startups and becoming an entrepreneur and all the things that normal people quote unquote don't do. Um, it, it took me years to put it together that two and two are related. And once I finally did that, everything started to make a lot more sense. And it was like, okay, uh, I might as well go talk to, because I had a therapist at the time, and I've had a therapist for years, and one day he looks at me and goes, so when were you diagnosed with ADHD? I'm like, what do you mean I don't have ADHD? He's like, <laughs> and he sort of cracked up. He's like, yeah, okay, so read this book, and then come back to me, and we'll get we'll get you tested. And I did, and I got to, I'm like, okay, that makes perfect sense. Everything makes a lot more sense now. So, you know, it wasn't that anything had to change, right? It wasn't like this massive shift in my life. It was just like, oh, yeah, okay. That explains why I do the things I do. And and now there's a, at least now there's a name for it. And I understand why it is the way it is. And that in itself was game changing because that to me allowed me to sort of, um, for lack of a better word, understand myself a little bit better. Right. I, I always knew, you know, after a while, you just sort of accept that you're different and you're cool with that. Right. But you, there's always this nagging thought in the back of your head, like, why? Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah, this difference has, has made great things happen and I've been very successful with it because of it. But, but, why? Right? Because there's some downsides to it. And I just wish I knew. So finally, I had a name for it. And like I said, nothing changed. It just made a little more sense. And so when I was able to understand that, I was able to, um, to do different things and sort of and sort of uh, see, well, wait, if I'm like this, maybe there are other people like this, maybe there's something I could be to help these people, maybe there's some way that I can get better at this, whatever. And, and so that sort of led to my sort of starting to do this research that led to the book faster than normal and the podcast faster than normal. And it finally led to the, the, the new book came out a few months ago, The Boy with the Faster Brain, my first kid's book on ADHD. The whole premise for me is that I just, I know what works for me and I know how great it is, but we still don't talk about it like that. We still talk about it as a disability. I just did a, I worked with um, the national, uh, the, with the RAND Corporation on neurodiversity and national security, this huge report. And the basic premise is like, if you, um, if, if governments, if the United States government doesn't start understanding that neurodiversity is a gift, not a curse, mm -hmm. uh, they're going to fall behind. You know, if you are neurodiverse and you want a pair of noise canceling headphones uh, in your office and you work in national security and you have any kind of, um, of, of, of security clearance, you actually have to go to a psychiatrist and get diagnosed as severely disabled before you're allowed to get your headphones. That's not a good thing. No. Right. And so on the flip side, though, Israel has an entire division of Mossad uh, dedicated to um, neurodiverse spies. Right. Mm. This is filled with neurodiverse spies who just look at things differently, who see patterns that other people don't. So. Look, starting to look at it as a gift, not a curse, is, is, is my goal. And we're starting to see that slowly but surely across the country. Being able to help companies do that is great. But also, if I can help one kid 
not feel anywhere near as broken as I did growing up, then I succeeded. And that's all that matters to me. What you said there was like understanding, like not necessarily putting the label on it, but like, okay, this makes sense why I do this has been so helpful. And as I've been thinking through this, I it's been helpful for me because I'm like, it helps me give myself a little bit more grace, I guess is the word I would say. Because when things are happening and I'm like, oh, why did I drop the ball on this? Or like, you know what I mean? Things that my husband would never drop the ball on. Right, exactly. Then I can understand it a little bit better. Like, okay, yep. your brain wasn't working that way. Yep. Um, I would love to hear you talk a little bit about medicine because I've heard you say you take it a couple times a month. You have a prescription, but you don't mm-hmm. use it every day. And um, yeah, I just feel like we are so over prescribed in America and I see friends like here's an example a friend she sits at her she'll she can sit at her computer for like six hours and work and I'm like how do you do that I cannot and then she's like oh I take Vyvanse and I'm like oh you do and I think okay maybe if I did that I could do that too but maybe I don't want to do that you know you know, I look at people who um, are on, I think the perfect example for what you just said is, is people who are on um, Wagovi or um, semaglutide uh, and are dropping weight left and right. That's great. Um, you know, they're thin now, they're happy, they look better, they feel better, they have better health. Great. What happens if they stop taking it? Yeah. Right? If, if you stop taking it, let's say that there's a, a sudden uh, 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 world runs out of it. Have you learned the skills required to keep your weight at a healthy level? if you don't have the medication and if not, was this beneficial, mm. right? The, the problem is in the world and look, I'm not anti-med. Okay. I do have a prescription. I do take it once or twice a month, but under very specific circumstances. The problem is, is that pills simply put do not teach skills. Mm. Okay. And if you're telling a five-year-old to pop a pill and he'll be fine, what happens if he's been popping pills? Now he's 18 or 25 and he's off his parents' health insurance and he doesn't, he can't afford it. Now what, what has he learned to allow himself to be the best he could be without medication. And, you know, we're putting five-year-olds on stimulants um, because they're acting like they're five. Mm. Right? And I don't necessarily know that that's the best idea. Um, when do I take my meds? I take my meds on what are called med days, which are days that my assistant has said, hey, you have five meetings today. It's the only day this week that you have five meetings. You're not going to be able to be creative. You're going to be in five boring meetings. Uh. You're going to hate it. You're working out in the morning. You're, you're biking at 5 a.m. and then boxing after you drop the daughter off at 8 a.m. at school. That's not going to suffice. So bike, box, but take a pill. You're going to need it today. Ah. Right? And for me, that's the, the understanding that I understand how to manage my brain the right way 98% of the time. But I also understand that there are going to be days where I simply can't do it. And if I if I want to get that new client or I want to – um, pay attention to that meeting to learn something, or if I have to do it, sometimes I know that I have to take a pill, and and I don't see anything wrong with that. The problem I have is when the only way you learn how to control your brain is through medication, right? The reason I don't take it ninety five percent of the time is because I've learned that an hour, hour and a half on the Peloton every morning, or an hour and a half Peloton, and then boxing an hour later is enough to get me. Like right now, I'm not on medication. I am high as a kite, and I'm talking to you, and I'm focused, I'm together because I did time in the Peloton, and then I, I boxed with my trainer from. Um, eight to nine. Can't necessarily move my upper shoulders right now, but that's okay, <laughs> right? Because I know what it does for me uh, chemically. And so to me, that's the big difference. 
Hey everybody, are you looking for a great protein powder? I have the best solution for you. The Neurofi Plus Vegan Protein Shake by Prevenex is so delicious. It is packed with vitamins and nutrients, 20 grams of vegan protein, 1 billion probiotics, digestive enzymes, BCAAs, it's gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, no preservatives, and no artificial flavors. This is the cleanest, healthiest, plant-based vegan shake around, made to the highest standards. Sometimes you just need a quick hit of protein after a workout or a run. You're moving from one thing to the next. You can shake this up with water, eat a banana, boom, you're getting it done. Right away, you're getting those nutrients back in your body. I also like making protein shakes for my kids with this protein powder as well, and they get a nutrient-dense jam-packed smoothie, including high protein, which is good because then they feel full longer. Uh, they also have a great joint supplement and multivitamin. Check out everything Prevenex has to offer at Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your order. Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your order. Back to the show. In your research, have you found that like um, most creatives and entrepreneurs, that's how their brain works? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of... Um... A lot of um, a lot of neurodiverse people. Um, they don't have a choice. Yeah. Because it's I, I joke. I have so I have two speeds. I have namaste, <laughs> and I'll cut a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> there is literally no middle ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I'm either on the couch sleeping, cuddling with waffle, or I'm 500 feet underground working at doing it. You know, Faster Than Normal was written on two flights to Asia. That's okay. it. Okay. And did I, 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 both those flights I actually had a tank, but I've written books where I bought, where I bought tickets to go to Asia just to go to Asia. Uh-huh. Right. Not because I needed, not because I needed to be in Asia, but because I wanted, I needed 14 hours each way to write my book. Oh, that's, that's cool. So, and everyone's like, oh my God, you spent $5,000 to go nowhere. I'm like, no, I spent $5,000 to write, write a book. A book. Because I'm not You're distracted trapped. by the dog or by Wi-Fi or by yeah. this or by the ooh, shiny window or whatever. I'm on a plane. Where the hell am I going to go? 14 yeah. hours. Yeah. I went to the lounge. After I got there, I took a shower. I grabbed some sushi. I got back on the same plane, same seat three hours later. No, you wrote didn't. the second half of the book. Landed 38 hours later. That's how you do it. Are you serious? Yeah. And then I got, then I got, hauled, by, uh, I got hauled into a, a room by Homeland Security because they never actually cleared immigration uh-huh. in Tokyo. And they were kind of a little curious about that. Totally. Okay. Wow. That's wild. You pl- booked that whole trip just for that reason. Yep. Oh my You got to do it. Wow. Okay. Can you talk about, um, we, cause we talked about the medicine side and you're like, medicine's great when you need it, what, all those things. What are the things other than exercise that you recommend to both adults and kids who experience this kind of life to help them? The first thing to understand is you're not broken. You're gifted. You have a Lamborghini inside your head. Problem is that you're driving, you're being taught to drive like everyone else and everyone else has a Honda. Mm. If you try to drive a Honda, if you try to drive a Lamborghini like a Honda, you're going to wind up killing yourself. You're going to wind up crashing into a tree. If you go on the highway in a Honda, you have to floor it to get up to highway speed. Honda's a great car, but it's not a Lamborghini. If you're taught to floor your Honda to get on the highway and then they put you in a Lamborghini and you floor that to get on the highway, you're four miles ahead and you're, you're wrapped around a tree. Mm-hmm. You have to understand that your head, your brain works faster and different than everyone else. Understanding that, 
not everyone is going to agree with what you do. Um, you know, I, I have a, my ex-wife and I are still very close friends, but she could not understand, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and in her defense, I'd come home, I'd have an amazing day. And the first thing I want to do is share this with the person I love. Yes. But, but instead of realizing, instead of thinking, okay, you know what? I'm going to come home. I'm going to tell her a great day. I'm going to see how her day was. I'm going to see if she's busy or if she's free. And if she's free, I'll tell her about my day. And so I'd walk in there, you know, and who the hell would want to hear that? Right. You know, I'd, I'd have a, I'd get a great client. I'd get a, I'd land a brand new client and I'd call her at work and she wouldn't answer. And so I text her and I wouldn't hear back. And in my head, I'm already writing the, the, the breakup email. You obviously don't care about me. You know, and then she'd call me back. She'd be like, Hey, I was in a meeting with my boss. What's up? <laughs> oh yeah. That, that I guess could happen too. You know, so it's, you have a job too. This, exactly. So it's this premise of just sort of understanding that not everyone's brain, most people's brains are not as fast as yours. And mm. that doesn't mean you're broken. It just means you're different and different is good. Mm-hmm. Right. Anything different is good. So ask yourself, what can you do to what can you do differently while also making sure that you don't freak the people out around you? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I am fortunate. My assistant, Megan, who I think you dealt with to schedule this. Um, the reason you dealt with her to schedule this isn't because um, I'm that guy who gives you to my assistant. Quite the opposite. I love talking to people, answering all my own email. However, I don't have access to my calendar. I do not have right access to my calendar. My assistant, Megan, took it away from me about 15 years ago. All I have is read access because if I try to put something in my calendar, mm. um, I will screw it up. Mm-hmm. The reason I don't ever, the reason Megan took right access away from me was because about 15 years ago, I booked two dinners on the same night. And I go to try to put something else in the calendar and it's not working. And I tell Megan, hey, something's not working. She's like, no, no, it's working fine. You're going to give it to me and I'm going to do it so you don't screw up. You booked two dinners on the same night. I'm like, okay, but I think you're overreacting a little bit. It's not a big deal. And she looks at me, she goes, you book them on separate continents. You're done. <laughs> and that was the last time I was ever able to put it. But it works, right? Yeah. I don't put stuff in my calendar because just a perfect example, I was boxing today and my trainer said, okay, I can't do 8.30 tomorrow. Can you do 10.30? I said, sure, no problem. Because I'm in the zone. I get home and I go, Megan, I need to put something in the calendar. She's like, no, you have an interview. I'm like, crap. She's like, it's in the calendar. Why didn't you look first? I'm like, it was boxing. I my uh-huh. So I had to call the trainer. Hey, but hey, can we do it? Different? So it's those kind of things where you, where you sort of learn to understand Here's what works and here's what doesn't. Mm. Do you know a lot about like, it, does it, does this show up differently in boys versus yes. girls when we're younger? I don't know a lot about it. I premise again, I'm not a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I do know is that boys tend to act out, girls tend to retreat. Mm. Okay, so girls tend to get more undiagnosed than boys because they'll just sit there quietly. Mm-hmm. While boys, are, blah, 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 you know, girls tend to sit there quietly. And in fact, there was a study done in Texas about 10 years ago or so eight years ago, uh, Texas of all places. You wouldn't imagine that, that, that you know, they'd, they'd be tolerant of that. But they took uh, a school district and they gave, they flipped the school district and gave control of it to the, to the, to the, the, the researchers at this university. And the researchers uh, changed the diet, the school, the free school breakfast and lunches mm-hmm. from, I think it was like, it became 50% protein, 30% fats and 20% carbs versus previous was like 70% carbs. And they also increased um, recess from like 20 minutes a day to an hour and a half a day, spread out over three times. And instances of outbursts in boys went down something like 16%. And instances of girls participating more, who normally didn't, went up like 12%. So it gives you some idea. There's a lot of stuff we can do um, just in general, before meds. 
right? Before we even yes. look at meds, there are things that, you know, and, and I get it. Look, we live in a world where we're constantly running late and we constantly have to do these, you know, I, I get my, you know, everyone wakes their kid up. Okay, come on, get dressed, hurry up. They don't have, you don't have time. If you're working a full-time job, you don't have time to sit down and make your kid, you know, a full breakfast. You're giving them here, here, take this Pop-Tart, take these two bowls of chocolate frosted sugar bombs, whatever. I get it. Um, so I do things, in a, you know, I'll, I'll, on Sundays, I hard boil a dozen eggs, mm. right? Just so I know that, um, if nothing else, I can give my daughter two hard boiled eggs as we're walking out the door, yeah. right? Or, you know, uh, huge fan of protein shakes, right? Mm. So scoop of protein, scoop of blueberries, scoop of strawberries, a um, little bit of milk, a little bit of ice, scoop of peanut butter, done. It's filling, it's healthy, it has good fats, it has uh, phenomenal vitamins, it has all the protein she needs for the day. And what we try to do at least once a day, we live about two and a half miles away from school. Most of the time we take the scooter, we have a little electric scooter around New York Got City. It. But on a nice day, we'll walk. Mm. And when we walk to school, she gets to school and she's completely fine. And the teachers have told me there's a difference, right, in the days we walk because she's more focused, she's more aware, because she's sitting there flurrying with dopamine from two and a half miles of walking. So. It's those little things that you can do. And again, it's not the easiest thing in the world, but there are small changes you can make. All right, friends. I want to let you know, if you are training for a half marathon or a marathon, I have training plans on my website at lindsayhine.com. The half marathon plans are 14 weeks. There's a beginner beginner. So there's a beginner as you can get. There's a beginner intermediate. There's an intermediate and there's advanced. So there's four options. And then we have marathon training plans that are 18 weeks that give you a nice base build. And I have three options there, a beginner, intermediate, and advanced. When you go to the website and click on each training plan, it'll tell you what the mileage starts at, what the long run starts starts at, what the entirety of the week total mileage is at and how it builds you. I'm super conservative with how I build miles. And I've had a lot of people who have had tons of success with this plan. Actually, my friend Bridget here on Instagram just messaged me yesterday and says, oh my gosh, I purchased the half marathon advanced training plan for my June half marathon, but ran another one yesterday and snagged a massive PR. I'm a big believer down from 146 to 139 half marathon. All right. You heard it from Bridget. Go to lindsayhine.com to learn more and grab yourself an awesome training plan. All right. Back to the show. I find that the protein thing fascinating. And I think that's something we struggle with in my family, not getting enough of that. Because do you know, like, what, why, what does the protein do that helps in this? It's not so much what the protein does, it's what carbs don't do. So oh, okay. when, you eat, when you eat carbs, you get a massive, you get a high, you get a rush, right? The body's like, oh, that's awesome. And then 20 minutes later, when you, when you, especially when you're ADHD, 20 minutes later, it's like, I want more. That's yeah. why you can't eat just one chip, one pretzel, one slice of pizza. Yeah. Right. I don't. I, there are people who who can who can have a slice of pizza and put the rest in the fridge, and that's called leftover pizza. I've never fucking had leftover pizza in my life. No. <laughs> that's not a thing. That's uh-uh. like leftover wine. That shit does not exist. Yes. Right. Yes. And so, so that's the problem. Carbs are a huge, huge full, and then a huge drop. Protein is a sustained release over the course of several hours. Mm-hmm. You get the same energy, but over the course of a day, it's it's the equivalent of pressing a turbo boost button, but then having a refill, or a steady hundred miles an hour for five hours. Yeah. I don't understand why we don't have more movement in schools, like more recess time, more movement money. Number one is pricing. Yeah. Number two is, um, from the research I've done is the premise of they want them reading, they want them writing and they want zero tolerance on drugs and alcohol. They don't think about things like, you know, uh, arts education is one of the first things to be cut in every school yet study after study, after study, after study 
shows that a simple 30-minute session of playing music or learning music or, mm-hmm. or drawing or anything like that vastly increases the dopamine and serotonin responses for the rest of the day. Yeah, we don't do it. And th- now, to their credit, there are a lot of schools that are finally starting to make that change. Mm-hmm. But not all of them, not all districts. It is a case-by-case basis, and it's taking a long time. But we're better than we were 10 years ago. Again, growing up in the public school system in New York City, it was sit down, you disrupt in the class. Fortunately, I went to a performing arts high school, uh, the fame school, as it were, LaGuardia. And that actually allowed me, um, they allowed me to do the things that, you know, you want to go run around for two minutes before class starts? If it'll keep you focused, go for it. You know, I joined a bunch of drama kids and we do high kicks or whatever for like two minutes just to get, and, and I didn't even know why I was doing it. I just knew that it helped me. Yeah. I I don't know how much authority teachers have on like how much they can implement stuff like that. But I'm thinking if I'm a teacher, we're getting up and we're jumping around and we're doing a lap like yep. very, very frequently. Um, okay. So you have run 26 marathons. You've done two Ironmans. You, you said you've skydived 500 A little times. over 500 jumps. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Um, what is it, what do these things like do for you in your experience with ADHD? Like what makes you say, I want to run all these marathons? Well, you know, the, like most, um, like most people with ADHD, um, I, I mean, I never exercised growing up. I ran by pressing X on a joystick. Uh-huh. And then in college, I ran to the store for cigarettes. That was about yeah. it. And then in my late 20s, I had an employee. My first PR firm I had an employee who said, hey, um, I'm going out for a run. Come join me. I'm like, no. They're like, running, come on, running will make you lose weight. And, and, and mm. thinner people tend to have more sex. I'm like, okay. So I went <laughs> for a run, ran like half a mile, nearly died. I'm like, this is the stupidest thing ever. And then about 30 seconds later, I'm like, ooh. I feel really ah, giddy. Uh-huh. I need to do this shit again. Uh-huh. And then that became a mile and a mile became two and then it became a 5K and then it became a 10K and then it became a half marathon. And then it's like, well, might as well do a full marathon. And my full marathon on the, the launch of the war in Iraq on, on the last day of September mm. or October of, of, nine, of, of, of 2001. And then I uh, like, well, you know, that that's amazing. I, I wonder what else I could do. I should look at maybe doing a sprint triathlon and, you know, I mean, it's like, why suck at one sport when you can suck at three? <laughs> and the sprint led to to uh, a full, and the full led to an Olympic. Olympic led to a half. Half led to, well, the hell with it. Maybe I can do a full. And November of 2010 found me in uh, Cozumel, Mexico, uh, doing my first full Ironman, finishing at 154541. Wow. And, um, yeah, one of those things where, you know, I'm like – and it was funny because I, I made a video about – what it was like training for dating someone when you're training for an Ironman and they're not, and it blew up. It became this huge viral sensation, oh, like millions cool. and millions of views. But looking back on it, I realized that it was also the same thing about dating someone who's ADHD, right? It's sure. like, hey, you want to want to go out to eat? I can't. I have to go to sleep uh, by seven p.m. because I got to be up at three a.m. What the hell? Why would you have to? You know, and it's the same. They share a lot of the same exact things. Wow, that's so interesting. It'd be interesting too to see like the difference of someone with this brain and someone without this brain training for that like my husband has done an Ironman as well but like I said he's like he can focus for hours on end he's got you know what I mean like when I have stuff for work like big invoices and things like that where I have to fill out all these for vendor forms I'm like can you please just do this for me because it will take you 10 minutes and it'll take me yep. three hours yep. because I will that's get why I have Megan exactly right um so it'd be interesting to me to see like what that's doing for a brain like that like his brain versus your brain or my brain you know um, okay, so what is your advice to parents who think, okay, this this makes sense that like 
my kid has been behaving all these ways. Like this makes sense that this might be something that he is experiencing in his life. What are our first steps? Understand again, you've probably just been told your kid has been diagnosed with something and you're like, Oh my God, kids get diagnosed with cancer. This can't be good. I've never heard diagnosed. You never get diagnosed to win the lottery. You never get diagnosed to a supermodel. So diagnosis is the wrong word. Yeah. Yeah. Your kid think your kid thinks differently. Yeah. Your kid has a, has a brain that works differently than others. And that doesn't mean he's broken. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. It just means his brain's a little different. So the first thing you have to understand is that is that different is good, right? Because he's different, he can do all these incredible things. Um, I have a list that I, that I give parents all the time um, when I talk about sort of what, uh, you know, what if you're diagnosed neurodiverse, ADHD, anything like that, off the top of my head, they have enhanced problem-solving skills. They have incredible adaptability. They have incredible resilience. They have more empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. They have creative thinking. They have self-awareness and insight more than others. They have more focus, shush, more focus, interest, and experience, expertise. They have more ad, better advocacy skills because they've been advocating for themselves all their lives. They have better perseverance. They have a unique perspective on life that you can't get anywhere else. So the first thing parents need to understand is their mm-hmm. kids are light years ahead of everyone else, mm-hmm. right, when they get that diagnosis. And it doesn't mean a negative thing. It does mean that because they learn differently, there have to be some accommodation. So the first thing you want to do, talk to your teachers, right? Talk to the kid's teacher. Say, hey, well, talk to the kid first and say, hey, this doesn't mean you're broken. This means you're, you're Superman. Then talk to the kid's teachers. Hey, here's what we think would work best for him, right? Experiment. Right? I mean, obviously talk to your doctor. That goes without saying. But experiment. You know, um, does the kid like sports? What if you got up a little earlier and did sports with the kid in the morning? How does that affect the school? How does that affect him learning during the day? right? Change the food around. What if you change the, you know, certain things like that? What if you got some exercise in the middle of the day? What if you allowed the kid to stand up in the back of the classroom when he's got fidgety? What if you gave him a fidget, fidget spinner and let him hold it in his hand? I keep them, uh, no idea where mine is right now. My daughter tends to take it and steal it from me, but I have several fidget spinners that I keep in my, on my desk and I just use whatever I'm in meetings, whatever I need to, you know, something to keep in my hand. There like, could be rollers or whatever. Those kind of things, right? What can you do differently um, little tiny changes, right? Um, when I was working with Google, I was giving a keynote for Google and before it was for a neurodiversity conference, before we went on stage, someone came in with a huge bag, a huge box with sunglasses. Hey, if the, if the spotlight's too bright, feel free to take these sunglasses. Hey, if the audience is, is too rustly, whatever, feel free to take these noise canceling headphones until it's your turn to speak. Take these fidget spinners, you know, whatever. Thinking like that, helping, you know, create an affinity group in your kid's school, right? For neuro, parents of neurodiverse children. I created one of my daughter's school. And it's wonderful. We talk all about this stuff. What can we do? And everyone has good ideas. So there's lots oh, of stuff. I love that. Oh, I love that. When you mentioned like speaking on stage um, and getting like the dopamine hits from that, this weekend I was the race announcer at the Indianapolis Monumental Marathon. Oh, fun. It was so fun. I loved it so much. It was this is the first time I've done like official race announcing where I'm like, you know, I'm calling in all the finishers. Welcome to the finish line. Yeah. yeah. And when you explained that, I was like, that's what that was. I I stood there for eight hours all morning yelling names, and I never felt tired. I just felt so excited and that adrenaline. And I, I, it was the dopamine hit from, is it like being in front of people? Is it that I'm being seen? I don't know what it's it is. It's everything. You're being heard. It's all those things. But some people, that's their worst nightmare to have their voice yep. behind a microphone screaming for thousands of people to hear. Well, that's the thing. It's like for some people that works, for other people it doesn't. Figure out what it is that does, right? For me, I can't believe – every time I get on stage, I'm, I'm giving a keynote in Louisville on Thursday. Um, and I just laugh. I'm like, I'll be on the plane on Wednesday laughing. like, they're <laughs> paying me for this. It just blows my mind. It blows my mind. Love I love it. I, you know, it's in front of 25,000 people, and there's literally no, no greater high than when I come off the stage. Uh, uh-huh. To the point where my assistant actually knows. It's funny. Um, 
she schedules my flight home within within two and a half to three hours, if possible, of of the keynote. Or uh, if it's not possible, she she doesn't schedule anything for me that night, and I go back to the hotel because after about two and a half three hours, I'm gonna crash. Yeah, and there have so been tired. times when I'm at the airport and the flight's delayed, and you'll see me. They're just sitting in the. I'm sitting in the the lounge. <laughs> you know, to the point, and I'll tell the the gate agent I'm like, hey, when they start boarding this flight, you're gonna have to let me know because I'm just I'm I'm kind of losing it right now. I'm fine, but I just, I'm going to be in a zone, you know? And so, yeah, it's like the goal is the perfect world. I give the speech three hours later, I'm sleeping on the plane and I'm able to yes. get back to when I land in New York, I'm back to me. So yeah, it's fun. It's, it's crazy like that. How do you come down though? Like from the high? Um, so it's a fascinating story. So, so Robin Williams was interviewed several years before his death and, and he was asked, he had just gotten out of rehab again. And someone asked him a pointy question. They go, you know, you, you, you made billions, millions of dollars. You're, you never have to work again you know that these drugs are dangerous and yet this is the third or fourth time in rehab. Why? Mm. He said, you've just given a, uh, you've just made 50,000 people laugh for two straight hours. He goes, you have no idea how high that is. You have mm. no idea how high you are when you get off stage. Why would you want that to end? Mm. He says, you physically can't allow that to end. So you find a way to keep it going. And I get that. I yeah. totally get that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm nowhere near his level of, 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 of who he was, but I come off that stage and I'm high as a kite. Yeah. And, and, and it was funny to, to make sure I stay focused during the speech. I'll, Cause I don't use slides or anything. I'll go to the, I'll go to the, um, the gym before the before the speech. Right. And I'll get to work in it. No matter how early so my speech smart. is in the morning, I will work out beforehand just so I'm focused. And then, yeah, it's just, it's just this constant hit of dopamine. And, but you also know it's going to pass, it's going to get pass and you're going to fade back. That's one of the other reasons why, the natural high, like skydiving or exercise, whatever, is better than, in my opinion, medicated highs like, like illegal drugs or things like that. Because when I'm skydiving or when I'm giving a speech, my body says, okay, he's enjoying this. He's in a happy place. Let's give him some – we'll make some extra dopamine that he normally wouldn't get. But we'll, we'll always keep that 10 gallons in reserve like a fighter jet in case they have an emergency act of war and they need those last 100 gallons of fuel. Illegal drugs, stimulants, coke, whatever, for instance um, – it just tells the body, dump everything you got. Yeah. Right? And so you feel amazing 15 minutes, but then you either need more or you crash hard. And that crash is just depression because the serotonin, the dopamine, that's all constantly, completely gone. So you have nothing left to make you happy, which is why people talk about you know these crashes with, with drugs. So at least when I know that I'm – when I have a – when I give a speech and I'm stuck in the lounge at the airport because my flight's delayed – I might be tired, but I'm not depressed, mm-hmm. right? I'm not like, oh, no, I just want to lie in bed and do nothing. I can, I can walk around. I can get more. You know, your body doesn't, doesn't completely shoot everything it's got. So, so, you know, again, for me, that natural high is just, is just so much better. Do you get scared when you skydive? Every single time. Really? Uh, the day I don't get scared is the day I won't jump because you are leaving a relatively good, not perfectly good airplane. You've never seen these planes, but a relatively, <laughs> relatively good airplane that more than likely can get you safely on the ground. And you are putting your life in um, a bunch of fabric and some strings and your knowledge of how to use that. Um, if I thought I was going to die every time I jumped, I'd never jump. If I thought that my, um, you know, that I, I didn't know what to do or know how to do it, I wouldn't jump. But on the flip side, Knowing the high I'm going to get and the feeling I'm going to get from that allows me to overcome that fear and say, yeah, there is fear here because you're, look down, look at what you're doing. But I also know that I've trained for this. 
I know how to do it. I know what I've done. And that makes it a lot different. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's wrap up here. I love that. What's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you have not done yet? <sighs> That's a great question. Um, I'm one continent shy of every continent. Okay. Which Antarctica? So I need to visit Antarctica. Okay. <laughs> um, but I'm very fortunate that, that I've, I've been successful and I've had some success. I mean, not, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not Taylor Swift, but you know, I, I've done, as my daughter tells me all the time, but I've done, uh, you know, I'm happy where I am. And so I think if I can just keep making people happy and helping people, um, keeping the stupid dog happy and, and, and uh, my daughter, then, you know, I've done okay. What is the best, most recent book you've read or listened well, to? I can tell you one that I, I, there are two that I read every single year, twice a year. Oh, um, the first one is The Art of War by Sun Tzu, oh, I've which read is a that. wonderful, wonderful, it, it forces you to slow down because when you're ADHD, you tend to make rash decisions. This forces you to slow down and it teaches your brain how to make better decisions slowly. Mm-hmm. And then the second book is a wonderful entrepreneurial book that it's out of print, but you can still find it on Amazon and, and eBay. Uh, it's by a woman named Dawn Steele. And Dawn Steele was the first female president of uh, Paramount. Okay. And the book is called They Can Kill You, But They Can't Eat You. Okay. And it is the pre- premise that this, how this woman went from growing up in Long Island to moving to the city, to being an entrepreneur, to moving out to California, to, to literally running a major Hollywood studio under Barry Diller and what she learned and the lessons she learned. And it, it to this day is, is, is one of the most beneficial books I've ever read. And I, I recommend it to everyone. I've, I've bought copies for people. I'm going to have my daughter read it in several years. I, I read it probably twice a year. It's so beneficial. Why can't you find it anymore? It's out of print. They don't really print it much, but it's still available. You can still find you it. It's just not Amazon. being reprinted. Yeah. Okay. Oh, It came okay. out in the 90s, I think. I think one of the things I do is I'm always reading like three or four books at once because I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I want all the options, but that also is very scattered. Yeah. No, it's true. You got to – so for me, I have a rule. I won't allow my – like perfect example is uh, streaming. I have every streaming service because of my daughter, but – I rarely watch. The only time I'll allow myself to watch something on streaming is when I'm on the bike. Mm. Because if I gave myself permission to watch streaming whenever I wanted, that's all I'd be doing. Yeah, yeah. Right? So I have – I'm currently in halfway through the morning show, which I oh, love. Yeah, I love And that. then well, I went to high school with Jennifer Aniston, so it's awesome oh, to see her just wow. keep doing so well. Okay. She no was a couple, years above, a couple years ahead of me, but she was, <laughs> she was awesome. And then I'm also watching a, a show on Netflix, um, Manifest. It's about a, a plane that disappears and comes back. Yes. So. That's how I get through my, you know, on the bike, on the Peloton. I don't listen to the instructors anymore. Peloton used to be awesome. They've, they've really kind of changed. The whole, the whole attitude there has kind of shifted. Now it's like I just use it for the stats. Uh-huh. So I'll take a 90-minute class or a two-hour class or I'll just run. I'll ride without the stats. But I don't really – they lost some really good instructors and it's just, it's just not as good as it was anymore. But I'll, it's great for, you know, keeping your stats and knowing what you're doing and getting your Apple watch to say, hey, you've closed your rings. So, yeah, but I'll watch something on, on, my, on my phone or on TV while I'm doing that. Are you one of those people that could watch a show like Manifest while flying across the ocean? Oh yeah, I have no problem with that. I, really? Uh, oh god, yeah. Not I, I watched the movie Flight several times on a, on, a, on a plane. So and yeah, you, I, have, I have no I have no issue with that. I was behind someone the other day on a flight, and they were watching a, a movie where like the plane was, <laughs> and I was like, "How are you watching that right now?" Yeah, just, planes are so incredibly safe. We don't even realize how, how incredibly safe they are. I mean, if you you look back forty years ago, there was a crash every other week. There's, there's you know, if there's one crash a year, it's amazing. And it's usually from like some third world airline that hasn't updated totally. in like 100 years. Yeah. Okay. Well, you and the guy in front of me, you guys, <laughs> I was just like, I just can't let my brain be in that place right now. We can watch it later. Um, okay. What's your last message to leave with our audience today? 
if you don't like where you are, move. You're not a tree. Mm. I've always, I, I've, I was told that many, many years ago, and I, I still very much believe it. At the end of the day, you know, you are in charge of you, of you, and all you can control is what you can control. And you can sit there and complain about it, or you can just go do something different. So, love that, Peter Shakeman. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Great to be here. All right, friends, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Peter, for coming on the podcast. You all can learn more about Peter and everything he's doing. His Instagram is Peter Shankman. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. And you can learn more about this podcast and all the shows in our network at sandyboyproductions.com. Thanks so much for being here, and we'll see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?